Bible, and so we're going to dismiss the kids, and then we're going to transition here to um, to the Word of God this morning. And uh, aren't you glad you came to church already? Amen. God is good. Um, so let me just explain real quickly while the kids are leaving why uh, we had a guest worship leader and why uh, uh, I'm not preaching. We On Mission Sunday, we, we will bring in missionaries for a window like Tammy was planning. And then Pastor Bobby actually was on line to preach this morning in John chapter 7. Well, a couple, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, Ernie and... Uh, Carrie, they called and they said, hey, really early he was calling me and said, hey, I'd love to meet your church. I'd love to be able to share with what God is doing. And I, we we're looking for an opportunity before they were going to be heading out and being full-time missionaries. And there were no dates available. And I said, just kind of on a whim, I said, unless you want to preach John 7. And he kind of perked up. He's like, well, sure, I'll preach John 7. And um, so I followed up with Pastor Bobby. I said, is that okay? Pastor Bobby's like, sure, no problem. We already had my cousin coming. Uh, who, and, uh, and so all these things. And how many just believe God's working it all out? Amen. And I'm telling you, first service, uh, this couple did a great job in John chapter 7. I was just just uh, very, very pleased. Um, God used them, and we want to welcome them now. They're going to come and share again from John 7. We're, they're going to forego their missions window just for time's sake. Uh, the missions team will be meeting with them after, and we'll get a full understanding with the internet ministry that they're doing. And we actually support Flynn and Sherry. I don't know if you guys knew that uh, similar ministry ministry kind of in the same uh, same line but uh, we're excited about your future um, real quick just come on up just come on uh, this is Ernie and uh, Carrie it's am I saying that I'm thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why Carrie. I just met Carrie this morning. But uh, Ernie and I, we were in uh, China together um, a few years back. We were trying to figure out seven or eight years ago, and we got busted. And uh, that was when Rick Eblin was on that trip too. But um, anyway, uh, he's, his church, he pastored up in northern Michigan uh, in the UP uh, for 17 years. And now in a mission's heart, and now they're going to be missionaries with Network 211. I've been saying 211, uh, but it's Network 211, and uh, God bless you guys. Let's give them a hand as they come. All right. Hey, <clears throat> thanks, Pastor Ben. Man, what an what an awesome, sweet spirit that's here this morning. Just thanks, guys, for the worship. And, and, and you know, I'm so grateful. We're so grateful for a pastor in a church who's willing to just kind of let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. That is the most amazing thing, and you guys are blessed. For those of you who are in the church, you guys are blessed to have that leadership here. So um, just a quick story about that trip. I, what I remember of that trip was the train ride. Me and, and Pastor Ben, and I don't know if you guys have met Jeff Ben. Has Jeff been here? I mean, Jeff's at least as tall as, as Pastor Ben. And we're stuck in this little compartment between, you know, where we were in, in Beijing for 24 hours. And we were in there, a little, and this young Chinese guy was in there with us. And we're trying to be friends with him, and as we're talking, he breaks out this bag, and he wants to share what he has with us, and th that's always a risky thing in places like China. But he, he's like, you want some? And we, we're like, sure. And we, so we ended up sharing a bag of fried chicken feet with him on that train ride. So, you know, for the sake of missions, for the sake of missions, you do those things. So let me pray. We're going to jump into this. Father, thank you for this spirit that you have here this morning, for your Holy Spirit. I pray that this word will be received in the same manner. Let you... Lord, take what we say and what your word says and just mold that and embed it in our hearts this morning. 
Lord, take the things that we say and let the people hear what they need to hear and just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys have been going through a whirlwind tour of the book of John and taking one chapter a week, and um, we were tasked with John chapter 7. And uh, before we start that, I just want to um, state, I, I told everybody in the first service a little bit about our children. We have four. We have um, an older son and his lovely wife who live in Missouri, um, and our younger son and his wife live in Chicago, and we have a daughter who's our boomerang child, and we keep throwing her out, and she keeps coming back. And um, we love her very much, um, and I don't mind having her around because he's on the road a whole lot, so it's kind of nice. Um, but we, have a, we had a fourth son, or a fourth son, a fourth child, our second son, um, and his name was Jason. And about 20 years ago, he went home um, to live with his heavenly father. And uh, this is just, when we listened to, um, we listened to Pastor Ben's sermons on our way down last night um, on chapter 5 and chapter 6, and it just, I actually stopped the sermon on chapter 6 right at this point when he was talking about when Jesus said, do you also want to go away? And I had to stop it, and I said, you know, Ernie, that's exactly 20 years ago, a seniors pastor sat in my office where I had worked at the church at the time and said, um, when I had gotten to this point where I don't understand why, if we're going into ministry, why would God allow my son to die? Why at this time? And he's just a, he's, he was our little evangelist. He won people to the Lord. He got kicked out of preschool because he always talked about Jesus. It's a big story. And um, I said, why would that take place? I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. And Pastor Walt Wilhelm sat there and said, Carrie, are you going to be one of those? Are you going to go away? What are you going to do? And I had to make a decision at that time in my life. What am I going to do? Am I going to continue with Jesus or not? And I feel like Peter because I really do feel, Lord, to whom will I go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, I, Carrie, have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So as we bring this message this morning, that is cemented in our hearts, but we also know that as we walk through this life, we often struggle with the question of who is Jesus in us and through us. And so the question, who do you think Jesus is, comes up on a regular basis. Yeah, and apparently that's what you guys have been, and really that's been the message of Pastor Ben the last few weeks. Is who, let me ask this, I, I, I'm, maybe I'll embarrass you, but he also asked this in one of the messages, because how many of you actually read chapter 7? Come on, good, good, so you can keep us accountable this morning then, because I know the Lord spoke to you out of it if you read it, so, so let's go. There's a Gallup poll, and, and polls are polls, I get that, in America, Gallup did a poll, and they asked, who do you think Jesus is? 60% of those interviewed said Jesus was just another man. 12% stated Jesus was God among men. 22% felt Jesus was only human but divinely called. And 6% stated Jesus was divine because he embodied the best of humanity. Yet, 81% of that same group considered themselves to be Christians. Doesn't really fit, does it? And, and I share that because the point of this, and I'll tell you right up front, the point of this message is to push you 
to decide who Jesus is to you. That's what your pastor has been pushing you to. You need to decide in your own heart, in your own mind. Young people that are in here, if you're in the youth group, you're not a Christian because your parents are. You didn't inherit that. Hopefully you're inheriting what they're imparting in you, but you've got to decide on your own who Jesus is to you. That question of who Jesus is was being debated 2,000 years ago before he had been arrested, crucified, died on the cross, resurrected on the third day, and it continues to this day to be controversy. In chapter 7 and verse 12, it says there was much complaining about him. There was gossip. There was, there was people saying he's this, he's that. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. There's all these different groups of people. And when, when Pastor Ben said, hey, we preach chapter 7, we're sure. And he said, well, you know, we're, we're not covering the whole chapter. Just pick out an important point. So we read through chapter 7, and we're like, what, what one point? And you'll see that if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. What, we can't really take just a little piece and preach it. because But we did find this underlying theme all the way through chapter 7, and that was these different groups of people who thought different things about who Jesus was. So the first thing we want to do is take a look at that group of people. Who Jesus is. The first group we, we consider the advisors. Those people who thought it was important to tell Jesus who he was and what he needed to do. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, his brothers thought this is a great opportunity for Jesus to show himself. As you know from chapter 6, there was thousands of people that were in uh, you know, his company, in Jesus' company. And then it dwindled down and dwindled down to just the 12. So... It may be that Jesus' brothers thought, hey, this would be an awesome opportunity to win back some of those followers you lost last chapter, all right? Or it might have been, they, they've probably been with him at the, at the feast in, or at the um, wedding in Cana, and they walked to Capernaum, and now they're back in Galilee. I don't know which miracles they got to see, but it's pretty assured that they got to see some of Jesus' miracles. And they definitely heard about Jesus' miracles. And so here we have some people who are trying to tell Jesus what it is he needs to do and when he needs to do it. The advisors. And sometimes we feel like we do the same thing. We advise Jesus on what he needs to do and when he needs to do it. We tell him when he needs to heal somebody. We tell him when he needs to sell my house. We tell him the things that we want to have happen. We advise him on how he is supposed to go about his job. And it's interesting at the very end of that it says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. I didn't share this with the um, morning service, but I really feel like when we don't believe in him for his timing and his purposes, or when we're telling him when those things need to happen, it's really us saying we don't believe in him. You know, there's many ways we can do that as far as telling him. I remember when we were getting out, we spent 14 years in the, air, in the military. And as we were getting out, and we were called the ministry out of a Christian serviceman center in Panama when we were stationed there. 
And it's interesting because, you know, you say things to God like this all the time, don't you? You know, we're, we feel like we're supposed to get out of service, go in ministry, and then you have these conversations in prayer. Lord, you know, if you just let me stay six more years, I can retire, and you won't have to provide for me because I have a retirement, I'll have everything all set up. And we try to convince him that our agenda is better than his agenda. We do it all the time. We do it all the time, but, but we, you know, we talk to him like, you know, we try to direct our path and his path. And, and I'm going to take a side trip just for a second. I just want to, I should have, people I should have thanked. Rick and, and Katrina, so, thanks so much for your hospitality. It was so great staying with you guys last night and this morning. And, uh, and I meant to say that earlier, so I'll say that now before I forget, because once I start this again, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. So wanted to get that in. We appreciate you guys and, and your gift and your operating in it. So we have, we have the, the advisors. The second group we find here are what we call the admirers. In verse 15, it says, The Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Um, in verse 31, it says, Some believed and, and listened to him. When Christ comes, you know, won't he do more than this man? And, and many believed, it says. In verse 40, it says, Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard it, was a, they said, Truly this is a prophet. In 41, others said, This is the Christ. And then in verse 50, it says, Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, you know, said to them. Now, we threw Nicodemus in here as an admirer, and the jury's really out on Nicodemus. Some commentaries and some people would read and say Nicodemus was a believer at this point. Um, it doesn't really say that, but we know he at least admired Christ's ministry. He came to him at night and, and asked him to, to inquire of him. And Jesus, that's the whole story of how can you be born again without going back in your mother's womb. And so he's, he's inquiring about Jesus, but he's admiring when we are impressed with Jesus and we admire him, but refuse to follow him, we get ourselves in big trouble with, with who we think Jesus is. Kind of goes back to the, to the, the, the scripture that, or the, the point that Pastor Ben made with talking about the benefit Jesus, where you, you, you admire him. You, li you like his gifts, you like who he is. We come in and worship him, and a great point that our, our emotions connect with our mind in worship. And, and we admire, we, we get this, this euphoria being in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we admire all of that, but we've never come to the conclusion in our mind that Jesus actually is our Lord and Savior. We admire all of these things we love. He's a great guy. We can even read his teachings and go, look, that's a great teaching, and want to do it. That doesn't mean we made him Lord of our lives. We can't be saved by admiring him and trying to get there. We can't, we, our salvation doesn't come from our gifts, our, our salvation doesn't come from us doing things because we think Jesus is great. It comes when we know that Jesus is the Son of God that we've been talking about. And then there's these people that we called the disputers. They were the ones who, when they heard something that Jesus had to say, came right back with an answer to dispute him or were disputing among themselves about um, who Jesus really was. We see them, Jesus had just said that some people see, sought to kill him, and we see them in, in verse 20 say, you have a demon, who is seeking to kill you? Not realizing that people were seeking to kill him. They had a partial knowledge of who Jesus was. They didn't see the whole picture. They didn't know that there was another part. They had just what was right in front of them at that moment, and therefore they didn't see the whole Jesus. Then also in uh, verses 41 and 42 says uh, when somebody said this is the Christ and how many people we have those people that 
we know that Jesus is Jesus. But right away there were people who said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So right away there were people who were disputing. Even if you know that Jesus is Christ, somebody else over here is going to say, wait, are you sure? He's not coming from the right place. He's coming from Galilee. So they were the disputers. When we go, they're the people we consider the people who, when we go out of our way to create reasonable doubt. As soon as people thought that Jesus was the Christ, as soon as they were saying that out loud, there were people who were doubting that that's who he could be because they were saying that he couldn't have come from Galilee. He has to come from these other places. That's what the word says, right? They only had a portion, a, a piece of the overall picture. Yeah, you ever met any of those in your life? Did you try to share Jesus and they got every reason? Go to a college campus and try to share Jesus. Talk to a guy who's working in Chi Alpha. You know, again, something we've said for the whole time we've been pastor. when you meet somebody like that, don't argue. There's no reason to argue. Jesus doesn't call us to be lawyers. He called us to be witnesses. So when you meet somebody like that, just keep circling yourself right back around to the gospel. Circle yourself right back around to the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does, which is soften their heart. And maybe after a dozen times of that or 15 times of that or sometimes 30 times of that, they may figure out who Jesus is. The next group is the despisers. We have the disputers and the despisers. In verse 32, it says this. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. Now, what they were listening to was not the dis disputers. They didn't care about them. The murmurs they heard were the ones saying, hey, this might be the Christ. Hey, he's a great prophet. Hey, he might be the Messiah. They were hearing that. And it says, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Now, they sent officers to take him because they wanted to kill him. That's what it says back at the beginning of the chapter. They had this, this progression that your pastor has been talking about from, from a couple chapters back that this persecution began to rise up against Jesus by the religious leaders has now come to fruition in chapter 6 where it simply says they wanted to kill him. Chapter 7. They want to get rid of him. They want to dispose of him. And it's come to a place where they sent people out to get him. And those are the religious people. And now we can get, when, when we decide that, that and we become religious and decide that we're wiser than Jesus, we become like them. We become like them because we now have the rules. We now have the regulations. I know what, I know what it says. I know, and, and the reason this is happening is not because Jesus was breaking any laws. We know he didn't because the scripture says Jesus never sinned. But he was messing with the laws that were created by the religious leaders to control people. Like you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't heal on the Sabbath. You can't, you know, they've created all of these, they've added all of these laws. And at one time I, re I knew the number, I can't remember now, how many rules and regulations were actually added by the Pharisees on top of the law that, Jesus, that, that God gave. And there were hundreds and hundreds of them. They were created by religious leaders. And we don't, we do this, don't we, can't we get the same place? When I start adding laws to people, when I start saying that person can't be here because they've done this, somebody walks in from your community, you know their background, and your mind automatically goes, oh! and you start to freak out, like, oh! people start to freak out like, oh no. Or somebody comes in with tattoos and piercings, and they're looking a certain way, and, and you're going, oh! there's a rule that says you can't do that. 
There is no rule that says they can't do that. And there is no rule anywhere in Scripture that says Jesus doesn't love them and he wants them to be saved as much as he wants you to be saved. Yet we become religious and go, uh-oh, uh-oh. This morning we prayed, and I believe, I pray for this church to just be rocked by people who come here that will, that will because when, when people start coming that aren't saved, it kind of messes with your church. And, it, and, and I call it, it, says it kind of becomes messy. And if you, you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'm praying you do before we leave. But be, because you come in, and if you don't know Christ, then, then your, your life is different than my life because we're not in the same place. But I can't become a religious spirit where I begin to judge people and look at people differently because they aren't the same as me. And that's what was happening. They, they literally wanted to kill Jesus. And I pray we're not wanting to kill anybody. But it's that same religious spirit that rises up in us that can really hinder and block a ministry. And then there's a last group of people here that we called the enforcers turned wanderers. They are the people who the Pharisees set out to say, this, is, this all happened during the Feast of Tabernacles. And so during that feast, there was these people that, that the Pharisees sent out and they said, we want you to go and we want you to get Jesus because we hear these things that people are saying about him and we want you to go get him and take him away, get him out of there. And when they went to go get Jesus, they didn't take him. And this is what, when they came back to the Pharisees empty-handed, and the Pharisees says, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. And I just love that because I feel like there, there's these people who they went to find out something about Jesus. They went maybe even to, like the enforcers, to capture him, and then they were there and they were listening to him and they were awed by what he had to say and they just stood there and i can just imagine these guys standing in the crowd going oh man i've never heard that before whoa that's that's true I, and then all of a sudden jesus was not in the crowd anymore i don't know what happened i don't know um, where he went but they didn't get him and they came back with uh, that wondering. And I like to think of them as people who probably were on their way to becoming followers of Jesus Christ because they were already in that wondering stage. Lots of people I meet are in that wondering stage. They have come to seek something and they are now wondering about Jesus. So in verse 43 it says this, so there was a division among the people because of him. A division because of Jesus. Because there were so many ideas of who he is. Listen, in your church, you have to agree on one thing. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus died for us, rose again in three days. There can be, you know, there's lots of things. I can, you know, the scripture says in another passage, another scripture that we use in Corinthians to preach once in a while on the road, it says don't, don't, be, don't dispute over, or don't, don't get into arguments over disputable matters. There's some things, even in Scripture, I'm not going to dispute people over. I'm not going to wrestle with somebody who's Baptist about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not, they know Jesus, I know Jesus, let's work together. But it has to come down to, you know, you've settled in your heart who Jesus is. And that's what we're talking about this morning. This dispute was because they didn't know. They didn't understand. I also like the other thing Ben said in one of his passages, that we have the whole of Scripture now to look at. 
They didn't have that. We have all of the, the Gospels, and we have all of the New Testament. So there should be no reason in any of your minds when you get into the Scriptures of who Jesus is. Just believe it, who it is and what he says. But there are people, that, you know, in our churches, there's people who knew, they think we know God, but we don't know God the way we think we do. And even putting this message together for chapter 7, it causes us to take pause and say, Lord, am I really knowing you the way I should? Am I really in relationship with you the way I should be? Because Christianity is not about church, glad you're here. It's not about what I do or don't do. It's not about what I read or don't read. It's not necessarily about what music I listen to or whatever. It's about relationship with Christ. And every time we read a chapter like chapter 7 in any of the scriptures, it should stir me to say, Jesus, am I in relationship with you? We should have an encounter with who Jesus is. Every time we get in scripture, it should stir us to say, Lord, is my relationship right with you? And that's where the dispute was who Jesus was. Where am I at with him? And the question is, where are you at with him today? Do I really know him? Or do I think I know him? So we've looked at some characters, some people that we saw throughout um, chapter 7. And we wanted to take a closer look at Jesus' response to these people. So the first, his brothers, who are suggesting to him that he go down to this feast and this is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the Feast of Booths. It's the time when they all set up little camp in uh, around, um, oh, I totally lost it there. But anyways, they set up these little booths so they could worship. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I am. It's like, ah. Anyways, so mean. Um, hey, I got, you know what, just, so another side note. I got a senior breakfast the other day in Newberry. I was like, what? So you're never too old to be called to missions. That's his point, okay? So I can call her old. because. And we'll move on. <laughs> Anyways, this is, it's supposed to be a joyous, happy occasion because this is to remind them of their deliverance from Egypt and their deliverance from sin. So the brothers are trying to give him good advice, and this was Jesus' response. My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Now, when I read that the first time, I really struggled with it because I really had a hard time with the fact that Jesus told his brothers he wasn't going, and then he goes. And so I really had to look at that and think, why would Jesus say something to his brothers, and then not do it. And it really came down to this. It came down to the fact that I, I believe that Jesus listened so closely to his father that when God said, on this day, don't go, he didn't go. And when he said, possibly two or three days later, because he came after they had come, we don't know when they left, it was about a day's trip, Whenever it was, a day later, two days later, three days later, when, Je when God said, go now, Jesus said, okay, I'm going now. And it was that, that little detail, that small attention to God's will, that when Jesus heard the Father's voice say, no, he stayed put. When Jesus heard the Father's voice say, go now, he went. 
And it was just that timing. And Jesus did exactly what God wanted him to do in God's timing. He was so connected with the Father on everything. And, of course, we now know that because he is one with God. But he was so connected that he listened every time. So his timing is always the important thing to listen to. And if we would get to that point where we would listen to God's timing and we would know, because um, we have a plan for when we wanted to be in Springfield to um, be part of this ministry. But it's not our plan that ultimately is going to succeed. It's God's plan that will ultimately succeed and let us know <laughs> when to go. When will we be there? When will the things be in place? Yeah, take this statement home with you. God's plans are just as sure for us today as they were for Jesus if we're willing to do his will. His plans for you, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that Jesus was going to call us to missions at 55 years old. We thought we were going into missions out of Bible school. We thought maybe halfway into our 17-year ministry when we might go into missions. I didn't think I'd be out trying to raise a budget and, and have this grueling schedule at 55 wasn't our plans, but it's Jesus. So you know what? We're going to make it. We'll get there. And he'll give us the strength to do it. In 16 through 19, we find right before this the folks that were marveling. They're saying things like, Jesus, how does, how does this man know the He went in to, 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 to teach, and they're like, how does this guy know what he's saying? They're marveling at what he's saying. And Jesus says this to them in verse 16 and 17. My doctrine is not mine, but it's he who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will... He shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it's from God or whether I speak it on my own authority. It's not mine, but the Father's. And listen to what it says. If anyone wills to do his will, his being the Father, they will know the truth. If we desire to know the will of the Father, we're going to know Jesus, and we're going to want to do what he asks. One of the things that I love about the Scripture is, and, and I've said this many times, when you read this, begin to read it like this. I sit down and read scripture. If we really believe, if we really believe this is the word of God, when we sit down to read scripture, it should be like we're having a conversation with God because this is, it, he wrote it, it's his word. If we really believe that it's alive and true and the Holy Spirit quickens to our heart, read it like it's him talking to you because he is. So when it says, you know, know the will of God and we always want to go, well, how do I know the will of God? We always want that, that confirmation in our spirit as Pentecostals. We always want that, that great explosion. You know, we're sitting in our room and we get stars and lights and thus saith the Lord. It's right here. It's right here. Read the word. If the word says do this, do it. If the word says don't do that, don't do it. If the word says love your wife, then love your wife. If the word says, you know, what it says, do it. And you'll be obeying the will of God and you'll be surprised. Surprised how the book will open up to you when you begin to do and obey what the Word says, because that is His will. So the application today is, do you seek His will or your own? One of the things I've listened to my wife share with, she was our youth pastor for 17 years. I've heard her talking to people in the church and young people, and, and she, she does this. If I show you in God's Word, they're, they're doing something crazy like deciding to, to, to date a married man or something silly. It would never happen to anybody in the church, but if it did, she would go, if I showed you in God's word that it's wrong, would you change? And they go, what are, they, what are you going to say? Yeah. So you open the word up and you say, read this. 
and they say, and you go, so, so what are you, so you going to do? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't? You just, would you, if I show you in the word what it says, would you do it? Well, yes. So you show them again. Once you do that, it's completely out of your, it, it, because now you, they, us, all have the decision to make. Are you going to obey the will of God for your life? And that's where you'll find it, is in his word. It's in his word. John Piper says this, in order to follow Jesus, we must become like him. Give up the glory of man and become a lowly servant. Here's how, you, the other thing you want to do is listen to your prayers. What's, what's your will in your prayers? When you talk about your prayers, what do you say? Is it about me? Lord, raise my budget. Lord, direct my path. Lord, bless my kids. Lord, sell my house. If it's all about me, you might want to tweak what you're thinking about his will is because his will is for others. Start praying for others and watch what happens to your own life. It's amazing. In verse 21 to 24, it says this. This is right after that people who don't understand and maybe, and lots of people aren't aware, the people answered and said, you have a demon, who's seeking to kill you? Because Jesus had mentioned that. And he said, I did one work and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you a circumcision. And if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Don't judge don't judge with appearance, but with righteous judgment. He's referring back to chapter 5, when Jesus healed the man at the pool. It was on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders all freaked out about that, said he can't do that. Led to them wanting to kill him. So he's responding to all these things in the past, but he's continuing to, again, as your pastor would say, shout out loud about who he is. This is who I am. I'm this person. Don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Again, the application would be, and I would just, I'll just leave this statement with you. Judging other people's sin does not make you a saint. Judging other people's sin does not make you a saint. We need to get in our heart that we're not judging people. We have a righteous judgment. I know that abortion's wrong. I can judge that. We have a righteous judgment that we can, we can have and be angry and pray against things, but it's not my job to judge what somebody else is thinking. This whole um, process here is taking place during that that Feast of Tabernacles, and yeah, and there's lots of people in Jerusalem at this time, and we've heard about all of those people and all the things that they had to say, um, all of the arguments that they had that they brought, and there's this place where it says, however, we know where this man is from, from Galilee. They knew he was from Galilee. They they knew, they thought they knew who Jesus was. And I think a lot of people are in that place. They think they know who Jesus was or is. And I am much like that. I, I thought I knew who Jesus was. Told first service. I didn't realize until recently that I am, I was not brought up in the church all my life. Um, I thought I was. And then my parents were talking to me one time, and they said that we were just Christmas and Easter only people until your sister got in high school. I was like, really? Here I thought I'd been in church like all my life. I, I remember giving my life to the Lord at a very young age. But then I went out, I went to VBS during my summers, and I went to every VBS at a country, at, in the country churches that I could find around me. And uh, I learned a lot of Bible stories, and I memorized a whole lot of scripture 
in those VBSs. So just a little shout out to all the people who do VBS or children's ministry because I think that those things kept me through the years um, in my life with Christ. But we see that here is these people who thought that they knew Jesus. And Jesus says, you didn't know me. He says, you both know me and you know where I am from. And I, I just feel like this is a little sarcastic. I have not come from myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Now, I don't know about you, because I don't know all of you in here, but I am a little sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Gets me in trouble sometimes. People don't always read me right. Um, it really hurts when you're an introvert and you're sarcastic, because then it's really messed up, because then people really just get the wrong picture of you altogether. And blah, 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 blah. So anyways, that's just a little, a little information there. But when I read this, I really see Jesus saying, okay, guys, yeah, I'm from Galilee. You know that. You know that much about me, but you don't really know me. You don't really know who I am. You haven't, had, you haven't taken the time to really hear my words and believe what I have said. Right after this, he's judged because he came from Galilee. And I, I don't know about you. I don't know if you're from some place where people would judge you. But that's exactly what Jesus felt in that moment. He was judged because of where he was from. And he says, yes, I come from Galilee. But then there's that amount of, but do I really? Do I really come from Galilee? He knew the truth, and other people didn't know the truth about him. Because the truth was, he came from the Father. And he was sent here from the Father. And what he's telling them really is that if you knew me, if you knew me, you would, and if, you would know the Father. And if you know the Father, which they claimed they did, they claimed that they knew God. If you knew the Father, you would know me because he sent me. And the problem is, is that they had this religion, these rules and laws that were all set up for them, and they believed in those rules and laws, and they believed that that's what God was, rules and laws. What they didn't know was that God was trying to reveal himself to them, that he, the Father, loved his people so much that he sent Jesus, the Son. And Jesus is trying in this place to get the people to totally understand that, and they didn't. Then if we go on in verses 37 and 38, it says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is during the end of the, the, end of the feast. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is a time when the priests would be doing a water ceremony. And there's lots of pageantry involved in the water ceremony. And Jesus is there amongst that time, and he says, If anyone thirsts, he can come to me and drink. Anyone who drinks from me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Back in chapter 5, there was the woman at the, at the um, well, 
And Jesus said a similar thing to her, that if you thirst, you can come and drink from me. And what is awesome about this particular place is that he's not only are we to come and get it, come and get the living water that Jesus provides, but he says, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. That if you come to the living water, then out of your heart, Gateway Church, will flow to the community around you living water. That if we come and get it, if we come and get Jesus, if we really submit ourselves wholly to him, then out of our hearts will flow living water. It's an awesome thing that we have the opportunity as an admirer, a despiser, an advisor, a disputer, and even those enforcers who became wanderers to really know who Jesus is. The last part of this chapter, the very last verse, it actually hit me um, a couple days ago that we didn't, we didn't include this verse originally in the message, but a couple days ago when we were reading it, I just read the end and it said, and everyone went to his own house. The end. And I thought, <laughs> I started telling Ernie, this is incredible because this is exactly what we do every Sunday. We go to our own house. Here these people have had over the past week um, a presentation of who Jesus is. And then they went home. Just like you will today. Just like I will today. And we had, they had to make a decision based on their interactions and their experience with who Jesus was to now go home and decide who's he going to be to you. So as you go home today, who is Jesus to you? Amen. And I don't know if we want to come back. You want, yeah, come on up and play a little bit. I want to just wrap this up and kind of bring this in for a landing. Um, can we just stand together for a minute? Stretch your legs. You've been sitting for a little while. Again, staying in this attitude of, of the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I know you responded for healing this morning, but let me just let's pray for a second. As they just begin to play. Father, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your word. Holy Spirit, I'm thankful for your presence. You're awesome. You're awesome. The last statement that I had in this piece was, if you're not a follower... Stop disputing. Stop fighting. And just let Jesus be Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray right now as we listen to your voice. Holy Spirit, I pray right now as every heart is open to you. As we pray right now and we listen to you, I pray that you would minister to us where we are in this process. I speak to everyone. As we just open our, our minds, just let him speak to you for a moment. We're not going to stay long. Holy Spirit doesn't need a long time to show you where you're at, if you listen. Holy Spirit, show us right now where we are in this progression of things. Just listen for a second. Jesus, you're so good.
as we just continue to pray, just continue to, to press in with him. I don't know a single one of you, maybe one or two as I look around. But Jesus does. The Holy Spirit does. He knows you intimately. He knows that He knows that you're fighting with Him. He knows that you're wrestling with giving Him everything. He knows that you're struggling. Some of you would just say, and I surrender. The old song, I surrender all. You're wrestling with that. Because you don't know what that's going to mean. I can tell you it don't mean peace. It will mean joy. But it doesn't mean your life's necessarily going to be a cakewalk. It just means you're going to be walking it with Jesus. Quit fighting with him this morning. I really believe some of you are just, you're just fighting with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to win. So I just ask right now, if, if, if you're in any other category other than a follower of Christ, one of the pieces in Scripture here, it says, and many believed, many believed because they recognized who he was. If you're recognizing this morning who Jesus is, would you just really, I don't want to embrace, just slip up a hand, I want to pray with you. Because you want to say, I want to quit disputing, I want Jesus in my life. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Jesus, you win. I give you my life. Maybe you've been in church a long time. You've been an admirer for a long time, but you've never submitted to his lordship. You want to switch from being an admirer to a complete follower and obedient to Jesus Christ. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. Best choice you can make today and in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now. And you, you that raised your hands, listen, uh, I don't know what all your program, how you do this, but Jesus wants to hear from you right now. Just tell him you love him. Tell him you're submitting to him. Tell him that you want him as your Lord and your Savior, and you want everything he has for you right now, if you raised your hand. And then I want to pray for you that that'll happen. Lord, right now I pray as, as they, those who've raised their hands, are praying to let you be everything to them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would now come and you would fill them. You would bless them. You would move them to overflowing, Lord, to, to move into the realm of experiencing who you are. When they open their word, Father, it will be just full, packed full of direction. And it will be yes to them. It will be yes to them instead of maybe. It will be yes, I'll do it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting. Lord, right now I just pray for Gateway. I just ask right now for this congregation, Lord, that you would bless them. God, that they would be continue to be a dynamic missions church, that this community, this community will know where they can come if they need love. They'll know where they can come if they need help. They'll know where they can come, and what they'll find in the midst of all of that is Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ernie. Lord bless you and Carrie. And uh, we want to just uh, pray, a, just want to pray a quick benediction prayer and then you can be dismissed um, God has met us here this morning and uh, in, in so many ways and thank you for bringing such a great word I love John 7 and uh, let's just pray Lord I pray that you would now go before us behind us and all around us for your glory for your honor in Jesus name amen
Amen. We love you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. For the two ladies that raise your hands, I want to connect with you real quick. And uh, otherwise, go in the favor of the Lord. Amen.